Welcome, everybody, to Live from My Drum Room. My guest today is Clint DeGannon. A uh, little background on Clint. He, besides being an old friend of mine, of course, he's one of New York City's busiest and most prolific drummers. His resume is incredible. Uh, give you an idea of some of his recording and performing credits. Recording for film and TV, Broadway shows, TV work includes The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the Only Murders in the Building, uh, American Horror Story. He played uh, on the Oscar-winning movie soundtrack for Steven Spielberg's West Side Story 2021. Um, was the drummer for Grammy and Tony Award-winning Broadway shows Beautiful, the Carol King musical, um, Hairspray. He's got a, a credible resume when it comes to Broadway shows. Um, you can also hear him on Tony Bennett Celebrates 90, performing with Stevie Wonder on Columbia Records. Uh, just an incredible, that's, this is just the tip of the iceberg. Clint is, to me, the, he epitomizes the working New York drummer, um, a guy that I've known for over 30 years, 35 years, and uh, continues to be one of the busiest and uh, most active drummers in the city. So it's it's great to have him here today and uh, enjoy the show. So once again, welcome to Live from My Drum Room, and please welcome my guest today, a dear and old friend and just a phenomenal musician and probably the best-looking guest I've ever had. Wow. My, my old friend, Clint DeGannon. You're the best. Why, thank you. John, it's great uh, to see you. It's great to see you too, Clint. Look at, thank that you. Shirt. Look at that shirt you're wearing. God bless. Well, this was this was in the wash when we did our sound check earlier, and my wife had it ready for the Fantastic. show. Fantastic. I, I had to wear it for you. Come well, on. Well, yeah, for me and everybody else, and, uh, you know, what a great band that was and, 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 uh, and in a different form still is still is. Yeah, and yeah. we'll talk about your, your, your lineage. You're part of that lineage too. Yeah. 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 Keeping it later on down um, the line. Yeah. Keeping the, keeping the vibe going. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'll just, I'll, I'll take a quick sidebar and say I had Chris Parker on a few months ago, a couple God, of months ago. And what a great drummer. Yeah. Great friend. And, uh, Fantastic. Great drummer. Great friend. And, and another guy that, that, um, you know, I, I got to thinking about you and and how all the work you've done and continue to do. You know, Chris Chris was on Saturday Night Live and he's had some some high profile stuff. But you know, to me, he's another guy that that probably not enough people really appreciate Chris. And uh, and I I think it's and I'll segue to you, Clint, and say that I look at you as being you know for forty something years being a working drummer. And you've had your head down doing your job and you, you haven't really, you're not one of these guys that's out there saying, Hey, look at me, look at me. You're, you're working. Yeah, and I think that's, yeah, we've talked yeah. about, we've talked about that. And uh, yeah, it's a different, uh, my, my approach as always, I, you know what, when I, when I, uh, people ask the question sometimes, what is it you imagined for yourself? Mm. And uh, you know, did you want to be, a rock star? Did you want to be an amazing soloist? You know, another. I, I, I always heard. Uh, before I heard drums, I heard songs. I was just into songs. I would sing. You know, I, I, I still do on occasion. And, and drums were always a, a, a vehicle um, mm -hmm. 
to be part of music. Uh, and so, you know, the at a point when I became aware of studio work, I, it was something I always wanted to do. And uh, the goal was just to work. Yeah. The goal was to work. It was just a, whatever that would bring. And I and and for better or for worse, I didn't visualize many jobs that I ultimately did, but I visualized wanting to work, and uh, you know, so yeah. to, to 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 that to that extent, it's it's always been there, and I've been very fortunate that way. But I I think that's so great. I think you you I I know you. I've known you a long time. Long and I time. Think people. A long time, I know, and, <laughs> and I think people watching this already are getting a sense for how humble you are. For the, I mean, this the the work that you've done, the credits that you have are like, if you were, I, I don't know how to say it, like, I, I put you alongside of all the drummers that I know that are like these sensational. Well, I appreciate uh, that. Yeah, absolutely, man, I and and that. I. Yeah, and I and I, but I think I think your message is so great for any any young players that are coming up and trying to understand what it takes to to like make a living doing this. Your focus has always been on I want to work. I don't I don't want to be, you know. If if you end up becoming, uh, you know, joining a a, a famous rock yes. band and yeah. you know you two or so, hey, great, that's great if that happens. But that was never your your intention. Yeah. And I'm not going to suggest that, that, uh, I, I know exactly what the best way to go about this is because there's the, uh, when I think sometimes about a guy like Don Perry, um, yeah. uh, Don always wanted to work with Jethro Tull. He imagined it. He was completely qualified and he was singularly focused and creative visualization. He, he, you know, he, he, he made that happen and he's a happy camper and he's been there for a long, long time. Yeah. I, yeah. I have always found personally, and for, and that wasn't a goal for, for me, but I've always found personally that, that uh, when somebody says, you know, I really want to do this or I really want to do that and they're younger. And my, uh, my thought is what worked for me, what never worked for me was trying to chase money. Right. So I want that job because that job pays well. Or, you know, I, did, I, I, any job I ever got was a result of, uh, uh, hopefully of, of being qualified. And because what I, what I was really going for was just to try and get better. And I still yeah, am. Yeah. I swear that nothing's changed in that regard. I, now, I believe that. Yeah. The, the, for, and, and I know that, that, that everybody listening is probably uh, feeling the same. You know, that's, that's, but it was like, be the best drummer you can be. And that's my advice to young, younger students. Be the best musician that you can be. And hopefully, uh, and be the, be the most versatile musician yeah. you can be. Yeah. And the more versatile you are, the more doors open, the different kinds of artists will want to work with you, the different kind of work you could avail yourself uh, to uh, predicated on, you know, your skill set and how, how much you fit in and, and, and can play different kinds of music, you know? Yeah. Well, and, and again, I, I, I think you, you're, you're probably being even humble about this aspect of just you being the person that you are, I mean, yes, you're a phenomenal drummer. You have 
you have all the tools in the toolbox, but you're also a great human. And that's why, yeah. And that's why, you know, that's, I'm convinced that's a big part of why you're always going to get those calls. Like you, for example, Will Lee calling you at 10 minutes to four to sub for a, you know, a Tony Bennett, Stevie Wonder date, which we we should talk about that. But I, first I want to tell you that Mark Tarabasi says to, to tell you that Mark and Jim from Attack Drumhead say hello. Oh, so, how cool. Great. So I, I, love, I love the drumhead, still play them, and uh, I, I consider it a boutique head. It's a boutique yes. drumhead, but it's a very fine uh, drumhead, it's, it's an, uh, and I, I fully endorse and thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. And Mark, just so you know, Modern Drummer will be invoicing you for the uh, ad space <laughs> you just took out on my show yeah <laughs> thank you we thank you and i want more free heads no i'm just kidding <laughs> no but but i i you know i'm, I'm gonna just jump around because i think um i'd love to just give that as an example of like how you got a call you get a that's a that's such a huge deal and how those types of things happen you know yeah that can happen at a moment i mean you know it's a good New York story, but it, you know, Will and I had already had a, a, a long-standing relationship, and I, I've always been grateful for that. And I, 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 you know, I love playing with him. And when when the when the opportunities come up, uh, I'm, I'm 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 happy. You know, I, I think we 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 developed a, a long-standing relationship when we started to work with Hiram Bullock, and that was many yes. years ago. Uh, that was in the uh, mid 90s i have mid to late 90s so and we did uh, i think i did six records with hiram we did a lot of touring together and uh at any rate you know so the fast forward the story was that uh, there was a big gala at radio city music hall it was a televised event and uh nbc and they were going to make a record and you know the whole dvd thing and uh, Tom Scott was the MD. It was a full orchestra, et cetera, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. And Stevie Wonder was one of the guests. And uh, the, the, it wasn't working out. Uh, the the uh, other artists had their rhythm sections, and the, 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 the they thought that that would work, and it didn't work. So at ten of four, uh, I got a phone call from a uh, in, in in a rehearsal studio where I was. Euphoria. Um, can you be at Radio City like now? Because uh, <laughs> you got to play Sir Duke with Stevie Wonder. That was from Will. And Will had gotten the phone call only a little earlier. Yeah. And that was from Tony Bennett's kid who was producing. Uh, then I was like, well, I'm going to go. And so, you know, I had, I, I, I was in the middle of rehearsal. I was wearing motorcycle clothes and. <laughs> So Will and I wound up showing up, uh, as I recall, to Radio City about the same time, you know, pretty soon after that. Mm-hmm. And we're walking down the long hall toward the stage, and the stage is lit beautifully with musicians dressed to the nines. And, you know, we look like we look. And Stevie <laughs> is, you know, in the front of the stage, not happy. Yeah. Because I think yeah. this, this had been going on for a while, and he wasn't hearing what he wanted to hear. And ultimately, uh, you know, sit down and play Sir Duke. I mean, you know, you, you just play did you, Sir Duke. You know, did you know it well enough to play it without a oh, chart? Yeah, I mean, yes, uh, absolutely, memory? yes. I, yeah. I, 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 I mean, that 
you know, that, that record, Songs in the Key of Life, is, yeah. is like a Bible, you know. That was one of, one of the, you know, it's a work of art. And, you know, that's one thing that didn't get by me or many, many <laughs> of us, right? You know, so, so yes. Uh, in fact, I loved, you know, I had listened to Stevie anyway, but, you know, at the, yeah. yes. Uh, and I think, you know, to, to your point, what to do on that song must have been part of the problem. I mean, yeah. it's not yeah. wildly complicated, but there is a specific groove and, you know, it's a, you know, whatever. So that was fine. And Stevie, you know, was fine at that point. And uh, um, then we were told we were going to also be playing Visions. Visions and uh, Visions had no drums on it and the original recording. Mm -hmm. uh, I was like, well, great. We're going to run through Visions, right? He goes, no. Uh, we got to get off the stage now. That already happened, apparently. So now you got like, okay, so there's going to be visions. So I'm like, what am I going to play on visions? Am I going to play brushes? Am I going to play what am I going to play? Because there's no drums. So anyway, yeah, we did. Was that. the show being taped, or was it was it a live show? It was, was a live. It, it was a live show, but it was yeah. being recorded live. Live on tape, yeah. Okay, and uh, you know it was. Again, you know, it's going to be put out as an NBC special, and which they did right after. Uh, so Sir Duke was on the special. Yeah, yeah. And we, you know, every time Will and I were going to leave, they said, "No, you got to stay." Stevie's happy, and he wants to do another song. So then, you know, somebody else would play, and we'd get back up, and uh, then we had to do. We did signed, sealed, delivered. Oh, after we did, uh, you know, which was a trip. Because, yeah. you know, when you think, think of Sign, Seal, Delivered, and a lot of guys have played Sign, Seal, everybody's played Sign, Seal, Delivered. But Stevie plays it like record tempo, and record tempo is slower than, you know, so it's... Yeah, ding, yeah, yeah. Ding, ding, right. Ding, 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 ding. So, anyway, so we did that. That was fine. And then we were going to go home, and he said, no, you got to stay. Stevie's happy. He wants to play another tune. So we played Happy Birthday. So happy birthday and uh, visions are on the record. Sign sealed is not on the record of the broadcast. Sir Duke is on the broadcast. If I have this correct, mm. yeah. Anyway, yeah, that was that was that. But uh, yeah. you know, on a moment's notice, something can happen, and you you know you hope, you know, Bob James. I I, I toured Bob James many years ago, and his line was, uh, "Everybody gets a shot." I don't know if that's true, but anyway, he said, everybody gets a shot. It just depends on what you do with it. Yeah. Yeah. And we've all, well, I mean, if you're, if you're around long enough, you get shots and they don't work. You know, right. that's part of it. You know, it's part of it. Anybody who says it's not part of it is full of shit. You know, there's going to be times when you, when it doesn't work. And then there yeah, are times when yeah. it does. And you just, you know, you learn from the times when it, when you made a mistake or when it wasn't quite right or, and, uh, and, you know, hopefully you minimize those times, but, but that's part of being a professional, you know? Yeah, no, I, you know, I just to reflect on that for a minute, it must've been so gratifying. First of all, to just to be on stage with Stevie and be part of Tony Bennett's 90th, just to be part of that whole fabric, but then to just, no, you, you killed it. You know what I mean? That, that Will called you in a pinch and he called you because he knew you were dependable. He knew if he could get you there, 
that was probably the bigger factor for Lim. I get for Will was like, shit, I hope I can get Clint to do this, you know? And then you got there, you did it and you nailed it. And that's like, man, that's, that's what it's all about. I'm not, I'm not unhappy with what I hear, which is, which is, you know, when I've listened back. Yeah. And uh, I've said before, that's about the best it gets for me. You know, I'm not unhappy with it. Oh, you know, Sir Duke, if you, I mean, you can, you can pull that up. Sir Duke, Stevie Wonder, Tony Bennett's, uh, I don't have one second of airtime. You know, the second trombone player got like shot after (laughs) shot after shot. I know the dude, you know, I think it was a guy from Letterman who was one of the camera guys. I didn't get one second, but uh, I I swear it's me. (laughs) I, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it. Um, Oh, that's that's great. Oh, that was that's, a that was a fun one. But yeah. And that, and when you got there just and just a quick, you know, like question. Yeah. You got there and there was a drum kit there that that was yeah. like a, everybody was using the same kit. Yeah, so that, that one that was a little rough. Yeah, I was going to say so you had rough. to come in and deal with that. You probably yeah. couldn't move anything. No, no. Right. I mean, you just, you know, you slug it out. Yeah. When I say you slug yeah. it out, I mean, you know, this is what you got. You got, and there's no yeah. time. And, you know, it's on the, the stage is, I don't know what the word is, almost scalloped, right? So you're on one yeah. level and the drum kit is this and you, you don't have one extra inch to do anything. And Tom Scott was conducting. And Tom, uh, she, I, I don't even know if I could see him based on, I can't remember it, but I, you know, and then when they gave me happy birthday, the chart for happy birthday was, you know, as I recall, it was all but useless. Same, same with signed, sealed. So at that point, you're really using your eyes and your ears, um, and you know your your reference uh, to to to, yeah. to stay in line and just you know. Just, was you know. was signed, sealed, played with a click, or did no, just nothing was played it? with a click? It was nothing all, was yeah. played with a click. And I'll tell you a story. Uh, Will Will, you know, recalls this in in horror. But uh, Will, uh, when we, we whatever we rehearsed, which I think was just the one song, that's all we rehearsed. When it came time for the show, he couldn't hear himself at all. Now, at least with drums, acoustically, you can, you know, you, you, what you're yeah. doing. I got something. Uh, I think we got something in monitors, but uh, Will couldn't hear his bass at all and played the whole thing muscle memory. Wow. Yeah. Now that, that shows you how astounding uh, that guy is. Oh yeah. 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 And, and and that's a good point that you make about Will having to deal with that. Cause I was going to ask you, I'm sure that that situation with the drums, that's probably happened to you dozens of times. I'm guessing, right. That's just like a normal thing for you in that situation. It's a normal thing. And then sometimes you're happy with the drums, but the sound is awful. I did a, 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 a festival two weeks ago or so, basically the Blues Brothers Band, right? And, uh, you know, I, I had worked with those guys, uh, Tom Malone and uh, Lou Marini, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Tom Barney, Rusty Cloud, a uh, great, great band. We got there early for a sound check, it being a festival, you know, and, and I mean, God bless, uh, but the schedule, we didn't get a sound check. You're playing... And and the sound is just it's nothing like you want it to be. Yeah. And and in those moments, and we get a lot of those moments when you when you're dealing with with live and you, you just 
plow ahead. You plow ahead and you do the the best you can, you know, and, you know, ideally it's not that, but it, it, it is that sometimes and you, you yeah. just adjusting, you know, particularly live. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that's huge. You know, I, I think speaking, you know, we're sort of preaching to the choir here. I think we have a lot of drummers that have been in situations or close to that, you know, and, and I'll just emphasize the point you're making that that, that, can make or break a performance i think in many cases too where if you if your sound on stage is just crap yeah it, it certainly does for me and, and uh, to a much smaller scale than you but if i'm if i'm up in a, in a gig and and it's not sounding good man it's so hard to be like inspired and motivated it's to play. horrible it's really rough yeah it's really rough and and, and very disappointing and and, yeah. and and often not always but often it has to do with the people, you know, you, you spend a lot of time preparing, you know, you, you're going to practice these parts. You're going to learn this music. You guys have rehearsed. You've done everything you're going to do. You get to the, to the moment and, and somebody isn't doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and that's, that's, that's unfortunate, but it happens. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Clint, let's, I'm, we're going to jump backwards yeah. quite a bit now. Okay. Um, yeah, to to almost the beginning. Okay. Um, I know you studied with Gary Chester. Yep, Sonny Igo, Gary Chester. Yeah, those were and my main th- drum set teachers. Yeah, and, and those were like in your in your early sort of formative. Years. I was in I, I was in high school when I started studying with Sonny, I uh, and yeah. I started studying with Sonny because Mel Lewis, uh, who lived uh, in a neighboring town in Westchester, would come and coach me. I had a very uh, fruitful. Uh, a rich uh, time in, in high school. We had a great stage band. Without going into a lot of detail, the sax there were the, the the stage band was led by an actual jazz saxophonist who had played with big bands named Peter DeLuke. Pete Pete got these benefit concerts together, where the stage band, which was a competitive stage band, would actually go mm-hmm. to Berkeley and play. You know. Who's, we came in second a couple of years in a row, whatever, wow. Northeast competition. I don't It was before I yeah. even got in the band. The band was great. The guy, Steve Frankovich, is no longer with us. He was in Mahavishnu Orchestra. There were a lot of professional musicians in that band, a lot of them. We're still professional. Anyway, uh, at that time, obviously, they weren't. They were, you know, kids. But this guy this guy lit a, lit a fire under us. It was a great band. And so he, we would play these concerts. They were benefit concerts. And every year, he would get jazz like real great musicians to come. We would open the concert at Hastings High School, and then these musicians would play. So we had uh, Mel Lewis used to come, and he would coach me a little bit. He ultimately sent me to Sonny, and I can get to that later. But Mel came, Buddy Rich came, Stan Getz came, Dave wow. Brubeck came, uh, and a host of Bob James, a host of other people who were New York-based uh, musicians. But uh, this guy plugged in, and uh, they were happy to come. And so I would play for these people, you know. <sighs> I played for, uh, you know, in high school, I played for Buddy, yeah. El- Elvin Jones. You know, I, I, it's it's almost uh, surreal to talk about it. And people are like, what are you talking about? And it can't be true. And it is true. And so that that gave me a lot of, uh, a lot of nourishment and encouragement, you know, yeah. 
to, yep. to talk to Mel and to talk to, you know, I, I had a conversation with Buddy once, you know, after I played and I went up to him and he said very kind things to me, very encouraging things to me. He told me I was, you know, he was in a great mood that day. That's great, man. He was yeah. a lovely guy that day. He was, yeah. I mean, I know, you know, he, you know, they, they, they talk about the temper. They had every, there's no disputing. He was a lovely guy. He was holding babies. He was, you know, saying nice things. And he held my hand and he said, son, you know, keep playing. You're going to be a great drummer. And that's, I, man. I, I, I mean, if he had said something wow. different, I, I probably would have put the sticks down and that would have been it. Cause he was my hero at the time. I was going to see him at Buddy's place. He had, but there was a buddy's place on the east side and then on the west yes. side where he would play with his septet, you know, uh, with Anthony Jackson as like 19 years old. And anyway, so uh, uh, that that was the beginning. But Mel, Mel said, I don't, I have no technique. He was like an am amazing, amazing drummer. But when it came time to actually study, he goes, look, I, I don't know how I do what I do. And I'm going to send you to Sonny Igo. And Sonny Igo was the highly coveted. Everybody yes. wanted to study with Sonny Igo, just like now everybody wants to study with Tommy. You know, yeah, well, yeah. Tommy, you know, the, 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 you know, he, 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 anyway, Sonny was an amazing teacher and I went to him. I used to go into the city from Hastings and I would take the train every week and uh, go to the Henry Adler building on 46th street where, you know, Charlie Persip was teaching, Ed Shaughnessy at one point had taught there, lots of, lots of uh, Henry Adler, lots of people were teaching there and that's where I would study. And then ultimately, uh, when I went to college, um, I, I was studying with the, 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 the guys in the New York Philharmonic. Roland Koloff was the timpanist and Buster Bailey, widely considered one of the greatest snare drummers who ever lived. Mm -hmm. I spent time studying with the, one after the other. And then ultimately, uh, I studied with Gary Chester uh, a little later on, and and moved into town. Wow! So, and at that point, so yeah, and, and a shout out to Tommy. Um, you know, My our brother dear from friend. another mother. He's a dear yeah, absolutely, friend. and He's amazing drummer and, I, and amazing educator, and can't say enough nice things about Tommy. I know, I know, and what a spirit! And I and I I think it was Tommy that in the late eighties, as as we talked about earlier. Oh, yeah. um, I think he he said, "Hey, you gotta, I gotta connect you with my friend Clint DeGannon, amazing yes. drummer, um, you know." And then, of course, our history began there. And yes, uh, well, uh, yeah. you know, and I corrected you before, but it actually began when I got signed to Zildjian a few years earlier, yeah. and you and uh, John King and and I went out to lunch, and uh, and then and then yeah, but I think that was probably three years before uh, when we reconnected. And uh, that's yeah. right, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The MTV show, MTV, yeah. yeah, yeah. Turn it up, um, turn it up, yeah. man. I know, I know. I, it's, I, I, in my, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking. I know. I went to a taping at the MTV studios in Times Square, yeah. where you were playing on this TV show, yeah. and, and and that was it, yeah. Uh, it was a band was a was was part of the show, a house band. It was a game show. It had replaced remote control. We uh, we did sixty some odd shows. It ran for a year or a half a year. I don't even know how long. We had to learn three hundred and twenty song segments because we were part of the show, and there was a part something called add a track, which was yeah. kind of fun when yeah. you think about it. Because you know, some our contestant would have to guess what the song was, and and so each of us, you know, would alternate starting one section of whatever song. 
Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. you'd have drums yeah. playing two bars, then the you know the guitar might come in or the keyboard, and ultimately they they had to go. Oh, that's such and such. Anyway, that yeah. was that was yeah. one of the things we would do on that show, and the, and that was one of that was my first sort of television gig. You know. Yeah, I th- and and it was a popular show. I feel like for a while, right? I mean, it was. I, I guess I guess I, popular on one level, and then not popular enough for it to keep going. Because <laughs> remote control, you know, was the was the was the one that went long, and we were reaching back into the history at this yeah, point. Yeah, you know, yeah. nineteen ninety one or something like that. You know, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I was probably biased too, Clint. I, I mean, you're on TV. I'm going to watch it. Well, it's kind know, of so. fun. It was kind yeah. of fun to be on TV and and to do all of that. I was playing D drums, as you recall, with like a big rack with, you know. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, you know, I remember the guy in the beginning, the the, the producer. Uh, I want to say Rob Stoner. I, I think it was Rob Stoner, but anyway, he said, "Listen, you guys, you know, you." He was talking to the band. He's like, "You're going to be on television, and uh, people are going to recognize you when you walk around, and you know, it's going to happen." And just try and be cool, you know, and you know, take it with a grain of salt, and da, da, da. And, and and John, not one time <laughs> did anybody ever say, "Wow, you're the guy from you know, turn it up, you're the drummer." Not once. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. That's yeah. too funny. The, yeah, oh. the irony there. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Yeah. A couple of quick questions. So you studied with Gary Chester. Um, I, you said it when you began, when you got into college, so kind of late. Yeah, actually after college is when I started studying with Gary. And I think at the time, you know, Dave Weckl, uh, was uh, always in my periphery and, and, uh, he was, I think he studied with Gary before I did a lot, a lot of people did, but, uh, You know, Dave was phenomenal even back then, and always inspiring. Continues to be inspiring uh, to me. I think he's anyway. He learned a, a lot from Gary. He would talk about it, and I went to study with him. and And uh, I, I too learned from from Gary, and I had a lot of uh, you know. Uh, it was a very different experience than than, than Sonny. The thing that the thing that was uh, uh, useful to me about Gary was different than what I think a lot of people walked away with studying with Gary. Gary was a studio drummer. Right. right. And he was one of our biggest studio drummers, you know, of the era. Uh, and yeah, that's he, where I was going with this, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, and so a lot of guys, uh, understandably, you know, he wrote this book, uh, and they, they take the systems from the book, and there's a, there's a lot of value to the independence and, 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 and all of that. Uh, Gary wasn't really playing the stuff, but he imagined it, and you yeah. you know you'd revolve whatever was going on with the, this hand to that leg, and then you'd be singing one thing, and we would call them the systems. And there's some people who do that very well, and 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 it's very helpful. What I found uh, m- more immediately uh, uh, interesting uh, with Gary was that he he hung a, a speaker. In, you know, in the corner between the ceiling and the wall. It's like this big freaking, you know, fender cabinet, right? <laughs> and it was blasting the click. Oh, man. You know, blasting a click. And uh, he would have me play a groove. 
I, I think this was just before the book came out, but I'm not sure. And then he would have me play, and, and I'd had to play along with the click. And then he would have me change my, you know, the backbeat to the right hand, you know. And, and, and then he would talk about what was and wasn't swinging or, you know, and he used his yeah. own, you know, how he talked and whatever. But there was that sensibility about being, uh, about ha having some sort of awareness of, of the recording studio and being a, a, a studio musician that, that he couldn't help but communicate. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so uh, it was him talking about how grooves felt and, you know, doing it in the context of playing click and things that, that, that were, were big takeaways. With Sonny, I, I learned technique, uh, you know, a, a foundation of technique, playing fills, setting up figures, uh, really getting a foundation for reading. Uh, yeah. you know, play alongs with big bands and things like that. It was a more comprehensive uh, experience, I would say. Yeah. Well, that's so, but having those two different teachers yeah. really probably really filled a lot of, a lot of space. And it's interesting what you say about Gary, because that, that was where I was going with that is that for, for what you ended up evolving into, you probably, I'm guessing, took away more than maybe some of the other students it was a different kind of takeaway. Yeah. You talk to yeah. the other guys, uh, and I'm not, you know, this is nothing, no, in no way am I, uh, you know, suggesting anything lesser for, but I think that, that what it meant to me was probably a little different. And, and, and I didn't delve as deeply into the systems as uh, a, a bunch of his other students. And in fact, there was a little tribute, uh, a series of tributes that his daughter was putting together to help promote the book again. So it didn't sort mm -hmm. of, you know, it's, it, it has a relevance. And I didn't demonstrate the systems. Instead, I demonstrated a groove that involved, you know, it was like a shake your body or something like that. Shake your body. Ed Green had played on that. Yeah. It was the Jacksons. It was, and, 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 you know, there was a Tom Tom to the left yeah. of the hi-hat, which, which I learned, you know, was a Gary thing. And I, I think Dave took that with him too at different points, many points where he would, you know, uh, more consistently than a lot of us did. But uh, anyway, uh, I had to play that figure. I had to play that groove with, with Paul Schaefer, you know, when, uh, when I was subbing on some of the world's most dangerous band concerts post letter and he would use, he would, he would do shake your body and I had to play the groove and, you know, that's, I would I illustrated in that video how Gary helped me so that I could just pull that out of a hat and you know play yeah. this kind of groove and you know whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Again like another tool in the, in the tool in tool belt toolbox. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, it's it's part of it and uh, yeah, it's part it certainly was part of it. Yeah. So had you when you were studying with Gary, were you, had you started working in New York yet? Yes, had, had those, I think so. Yes, I think I had just started working in New York, and uh, uh, when I moved in, I, I started to go to clubs, and I, I plugged in sort of quickly. Again, the goal for me was, you know, just just to work, and I really wanted to to, to get involved with jingles and whatever. You know, jingles were like the big thing. Yeah. Took me a while, but I did. I broke in and somehow, and 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 every time I had like there were sessions that I would play, and you'd meet people on those sessions, and they'd go, you know, you want to play, well, you want to be in a band, you know, 
Yeah. And yeah. and that was the trajectory for me a lot of the time was to was to you know or or like I, I remember uh, going to Mikel's, you know, where I would go and hear stuff with uh, Chris and Steve and you know, be awestruck and 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 you know, there was a there was a a jam on a, a Tuesday night co-hosted by Gordon Edwards and Elliot Randall. You know, yeah. Elliot Randall the guitar player sure. was so yeah. I met both of them in that same thing, that same, same, same night. And then Elliot said, you want to have a band? And so I played in a band with him. It didn't last long, but it, I mean, what a thrill to work with Elliot. And oh, Gordon, you know, took an interest and subsequently uh, used me for, to uh, book me to play with uh, him and Cornell Dupree at the bottom line. And I did that, that which, which years later I toured with, Cornell in, in Europe. Um, and then years after that, you know, wound up doing some work with whatever the, 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 the more contemporary version of, of stuff was. And, and uh, when I got really lucky, uh, Chris and I could play drums together. We actually wow. did that prior to, uh, to, uh, to my involvement with, you know, stuff, which is at this point very sporadic, you know, anyway, because, uh, you know, uh, the, the Gordon's, you know, we're not in the greatest health and, uh, you know, we, we hope, uh, that it will keep going. But, but there was at one point guys put together a stuff band stuff. I don't know. I don't want to say tribute band, but I guess on, on one level or another was let's play music, the music of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was mostly for ourselves, you know, we had a few gigs here and there, but, and Chris was kind enough to, you know, come in and say, yeah, you know, I'll, uh, I'd love to do this. And he brought in, he, he brought in his own arrangements and, uh, the, I've only played double drums, uh, with two or three people in my life, but mostly with Chris. And it was a wonderful experience. He's a, a fantastic musician. And, uh, yeah. One of my favorites, absolutely. And yeah. I was I was going to say what a thrill to play with somebody like him who, like, I, I got to think he's, yeah. He's, he had so much experience doing it. And, that, and you, do, you know, we, we talked very little about what it was. There's a lot of it is just like when you're playing with a percussionist, but it's it's just a little different, right? So, yeah. um, you know, if, if, you know, if he did one thing, I would try and compliment that and vice versa. You just listen to each other. Mostly we didn't discuss what we were going to do. We just, you know, which I imagine yeah. was how it worked uh, with, uh, with him and Steve, you know, I think so. I think that's what he, what he's told me and Steve has said too. Yeah. That it just, it, it just, it, they felt how it, how it felt. Yeah. And it, it, it happened that way. Yeah. yeah. And they compliment, you compliment each other. It's like when two guitar players sit down, which happens a lot more often, you know, by the way, it was standard to have two or three guitar players on, on, right. on jingle dates and record dates. And they, you know, you want to do this? Okay. I'll, I'm going to do this. Or they didn't talk about it at all. And they just sort of like, you know, it just sort of worked out. However. Yeah. And there's, there's something magical about when you're playing with another great musician that there's this, you know, you know what I mean? This thing yeah. that happens that, that it just, it just happens. You know what I mean? You don't even have to discuss it. It just, yeah, I think that's true. I think that's true. Yeah. And you, you, you know, you have to, you hold your ground and you, you, you stay in line and, 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 and you're listening yeah. to each other. 
the, the, you know, the other time I did this was at a festival, uh, and Steve Ferroni was the other drummer, and uh, and we were playing Little Wing. It was oh, a man. tribute to Hiram. Hiram had passed. Yeah. Uh, I can't remember. It might have been John Tropez's band. Will Will was playing. But anyway, there were a bunch of bunch of people, and then we were all sort of melding together. There were two drum kits, and uh, and you know that was interesting too. That yeah, that was interesting too. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, yeah. Um, so talk, let's talk a little bit. And by the way, I'm going to put when we put this up on uh, Modern Drummers YouTube channel a link to your your bio and your uh, your credits because you know we could we could take the the entire show today and just talk about your credits. It's astounding the 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 people. Thank you. Incredible credit. Yeah, you're you're welcome, Clint. I mean. Congratulations, man! And and you know uh, you're you're not done yet. I know that, but you've got an incredible resume. So I, I I, I want to make sure people know to look at that afterward and see. Yeah, I have to. I have to with. tweak that. As I said, you know, uh, through the years when you and I were talking before, <laughs> I equate like bios, and I, I have to update this. But I sent you like the most updated one, which I did on 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 your behalf because I wanted you to have something comprehensive but most of my bios out there are old and I think of of doing bios as like uh, as like uh, putting together quicken reports at the end of the year for my accountant or you know <laughs> or otherwise if you have to do it for many years it's kind of like forensic accounting where where you know it's so much fun to spend the money when you're spending the money right but now yeah, you yeah. have to account for it you have to talk about it why yeah. I don't want to talk about it <laughs> That already happened. I'm not interested in me. I'm not interested. I mean, not to 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 tell you about me and what what I. I mean, that's the purpose of this. I understand that. But I, I, you know, it's like drumming up stuff so you can itemize it for another entity, right? That that is, you know, as opposed to being in the here and now. You're done with the gig. When you're done with the gig, you move on to the next one. You're not thinking about the last gig. Right, but, you know, no, that it's, a, has, it's a great analogy. It hasn't it is, served yeah. me well. Hasn't served me well. So I, you know, <laughs> I, and then so I'm trying. You know, I, I, I wrote down as much as I could when I when I was talking to you, and you know, the, the film yeah. stuff and TV stuff and whatever. You know, it's or, it's amazing. Stuff, yeah, and 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 all the years I've known you, you know, I've I've never, you know, we'd we'd, we'd be in touch or see each other through the years when I was still at Zildjian. Yeah, whether it was in like at one of the New York hangs or something. Yes, and we. We'd chat, and you'd say, "Well, I, I just finished doing this, and I'm t- tomorrow I start this other." And I, and I always loved that about you. And you'd be very matter of fact about it because you it was to you it was like, "This is what my job is, man. I'm not I, I'm not getting on top of a mountain going, hey, I just recorded with no, you know Tom Scott so, or who Tony wants Bennett. to hear that? No one wants to hear that. Uh, but 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 you know, I guess it's important on some level. You do listen. I, you know, uh, when Didario bought Promar. I was already with Promark uh, when, you know, before. And and I play a stick that uh, is a Japanese oak stick. No one makes anything like it. I've been playing it since the 70s. (laughs) It's the same freaking stick. Yeah. And I'm not going to get that stick anywhere else. So now Promark has moved. It's a totally different, you know, ownership. They have a different roster. Some guys moved. But, you know, again, like, you know, I'm not selling sticks for them. Uh, or if I am, it's on a smaller level than, you know, the names they might have imprinted on the sticks. 
So Steve Lobmeyer's guy, the guy who's, you know, the sure. artist relations guy and uh, lovely guy. guy. And, and he said to me, you don't have enough of an online presence. And at that point, I'm like, shoot. Okay. <laughs> so now, now I have to do the very thing that I find a little distasteful, which is to talk about myself online. And here's this gig I'm doing, and here's that gig I'm doing. I almost want to apologize, you know, but <laughs> it's like the standard thing now. You got to do it. You know? yeah. so, uh, I, all right. So that, I, I post the gigs, and, uh, you know, I try and acknowledge the the companies from time to time, which, you know, I'm totally grateful to be with the companies. Sure. Yamaha yeah. and Zildjian and, and uh, well, we've already talked about Attack and, you know. Yeah. You've always been a, a, a loyal supporter. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, where am I going to go? These are great companies. Yeah. They're, they're great companies and I'm, you know, I'm always going to, anyway. So, uh, yeah. I, I just want to add to what you said. I, I and I don't want to, I totally, you know, bef when I was still working in the business, that was starting to become a thing for us artist relations guys, you know, yeah. this is a, a, a worthy shout out to our friend, Steve Lobmeyer from, from, uh, the Dario, cause Steve's a great guy and he's doing his job and, yeah. you know, everybody's been sort of put in this position yes. that works for these companies to, yes. to to do this so, yes and i know. hope i didn't uh i hope i didn't present it in any any uh, lesser way i think he not he, at all he, it was yeah. a, a wake-up call for me because um you know uh it it, it, it was the new normal yeah, uh, yeah. you know it, i didn't it's not how i came to endorse anything but at that at the point that it that i needed to be endorsing this stick again and wanted to be endorsing the stick again he's like look you know i don't you know i you gotta you gotta put your stuff out there so i started to put all this you know the stuff that i was doing online i, I, I you know from one thing to the other yeah, yeah. so uh, you know no, I, and some of it is uh is behind the scenes stuff you know there there there's a a big movie. There's a non-disclosure agreement I signed. I can't talk about it, but I, I, you know, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to being able, being able to talk about it. That's there's something in the can. There's an, you know, another. You know, some of the stuff is uh, is is less visible. Uh, you have to discuss it. You know, so yeah, we try and yeah. do that. Well, I I'll just say that from my standpoint, when I see stuff that you put out, um, it's. <clears throat> I said this earlier, it's always, you know, tasteful isn't even the right word. It's always a, a, a very sort of humble, um, the way you present things, you, you know, you'll say, I just had the honor of doing this incredible session with Will Lee or with, you know, these great players and, and, uh, and you're, you're always doing something. You're always in the studio. You're always working. It's knocking on wood. Yeah, well, uh, I, I've been I've been fortunate in in that regard, uh, and I'm I'm grateful. I'm grateful. Yeah. You know, I just as, <clears throat> as I as per my initial goal, I just want yeah. the phone to ring, and you know, I I, I like being plugged into different projects, and you know, uh, all, of all different sorts. Well, without going down a a, a giant rabbit hole of of like Broadway, I know you know I I I remember you being very active, like, and being really busy as, a, as one of the top, you know, Broadway show drummers. Um, and maybe we could just touch, is that sort of how you got 
started? Is that was that part of the beginning? No, 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 no. That that was never a plan. And uh, uh, for for people of of my uh, let's say of my age of my generation, Broadway was not a goal. It was a job. Uh, yeah. I, I draw a parallel to guys I would see when I was dying to play on jingles. And I, I can tell you this for a fact. I remember one Jeep jingle, because well, it was a final. And there was Michael Brecker and there was, you know, uh, uh, John Tropez. It was his thing and Will was playing, whatever. You know, it was like a room full of illuminaries. And I was happy to be there. These guys were looking at their watches. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, this was not music. It was, it was a job. Yeah. But let's not make any bones about it. It's a job that people wanted, uh, but it's a job. And uh, uh, when Broadway, Broadway was, was not a desirable place to be. And people of our generation have that, you know, sense. Yeah. People are paying sixty, seventy thousand dollars $70,000 a year now to go to school and majoring in musical theater. Mm. Just think about that for a second. Yeah. Like that's their, yeah. that's their focus. Why that's is that it, happening? Yeah. Because, because these, these, this small number of jobs, right. Is, it's now a highly coveted thing, right? It was, it was a, it's what it's, a, it, it's, almost, it's, it's incredibly competitive and, yeah. uh, and you know, it's people want it. It's, you know, it's, it's a, it's money to be made. It's pension. It's, it's, it's health insurance. And the, we only have a couple of TV jobs in New York and the studio business is, 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 you know, there's few and far between in terms of regular anythings. Right. So realistically speaking, when you're not teaching and you're not being financed, by a significant other or by your parents or whatever, how are you making a living? How are you paying your mortgage? What are you doing? You know, yeah. are you actually playing and making a living? If so, let's talk about, you know, the nuts and bolts of that. So it becomes a, you know, these gigs are, are uh, you know, so I wound up w walking into one, and uh, it was between tours. I was I was I was touring with contemporary jazz guys, like you know, which ultimately became smooth jazz, which is you know, and something else. But uh, uh, when I would come back, I'd be like, "Well, what am I going to do?" You know. Yeah. And 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 ultimately, the show thing became really desirable. Uh, one turned into another, and I had twelve of them, maybe thirteen. Wow. Two of them ran, one ran six and a half years, the other five and a half, something like that. And yeah. uh, I could come and go as I pleased. So for me, this became, it's, but, but it's commerce, you know, it's commerce. You know, there's a, the, I can, I can tell you that it's a tremendous, there's a tremendous skill set that goes into it. And uh, of the, of the, you know, of, <laughs> If I know a hundred drummers in New York, I couldn't hire 90 of them. 
because of this specific skill set. Doesn't mean that yeah. they're not great drummers or better drummers than I am. It just means that there's things about this. There's you yeah. know, watching a conductor and the whole dynamic thing and reading and you know the the you know there's a whole lot of things and all but, those things together too. It's not just one of those things. It's, no, yeah, no, no, no. All I mean, those things. That's right. And you know, for some things, you know, some a lot of shows are on click. Maybe more than uh, uh, than certainly more than there used to be, but not a, every show is always on click. So yeah. you do have to be able to play well with a click, but you also have to be able to follow a conductor. Yeah, that's huge. That's huge. That's yeah. huge, and you have to be able to, to to read well, and you have to be familiar with all sorts of different styles and 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 all of that. It, it's a Playing with an orchestra is a is 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 something that I enjoy doing. At the end of the day, they still call Broadway pits orchestras, uh, but I I have a, a decent amount of experience playing with orchestras, and then it, that wound up uh, turning into uh, TV work and turning into some film work. Uh, we don't do as much of that as they do on the West Coast, but there, I've been fortunate. And uh, I do enjoy it. Yeah. Well, if I can just ask, just kind of um, Broadway show, for example, does it become a situation for you where you where you go from one to the next to the next? Are you able? Are you referred or recommended? You don't have to audition. Like you got to a point where you didn't have to audition. Like once you've sort of reached a level of you've done. Um, you know, Carol King music, the Carol King musical, or you've done hairspray or something, they're going to just hire you. They know who you are. Yeah. And, the, and that, 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 that often happens. Uh, auditions yeah. are, are rarer. They do happen from time to time when they do their paid auditions. And if there's a, there's a certain, there are rules about that, but then, uh, you know, it's like, uh, most things in the music business where if you're a sideman, uh, whether it's a contractor or a, a music director or uh, a band leader or a bass player or whatever, you know, it's because people have become comfortable and feel like they can trust uh, what it is they're going to get, um, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and that's, that's typically how that would work. It's uh, it's word of mouth. Yeah. It's reputation. <clears throat> yeah. I, and I, and that, and that says a lot too, because as you say, it's very competitive. So for you to be able to sort of bypass that aspect of being part of a cattle call of 50 drummers that want that job and just get the call for it, that's, yeah, that says I mean, something uh, too. Yeah. I think, I, I mean, again, I've been very lucky. Uh, you, you try and you try and, you know, look, they have to know that uh, they're, they have to know that, and like again, it's like anything. It's like anything that anybody's doing. You know, they they they, they know they can count on you. They can count on yeah. you when you you've, you've proven yourself to yeah. one degree or another. And so, you know, a similar thing in the studio. It's a, uh, you know, that's a whole art in and of itself, and depending on what you're doing and you know whether it's a record or whether it's a tele whether it's tv or or, or whatever film yeah. etc cetera, etc cetera. yeah 
again, I think what you're saying is so huge, Clint, and that, you know, I hope people are taking this away that counting on you, you know, that, that you're, you're a dependable guy and people know that when they hire you, it's, it's, there's no question that you're going to, you're going to be able to give, whether it's a MD or whether it's a contractor or producer, uh, you know, you're going to, you're going to give them what they want. And that's such a huge part of it. And they have to know that if you're going to, if they're going to move, like if it's a, if it's a, you know, if it's a television show or whatever it is, they have to know that if they're going to move in one particular direction or they're going to throw something on the music stand that might be tricky, yeah. that you're going to be, you're going to be able to give them what they're looking for. And then they're, they're, yeah. they're not, it's not, a, it's not, they don't, they don't feel like it's a big question mark. Not everybody, look, and, and, you know, it's, it's also who's comfortable with who, you know, there's a, you know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tricky business, isn't it? It's a, it's a tricky it, it is. Business. People, people get to, you know, people get, you know, and then they, they, they you know, if I did, when I did Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, the music I'm playing on that show is big band yeah. and orchestral cues. And then I did that for like, you know, four of the five seasons. And then, you know, well, you know, he does that, but can he do this kind of thing? I think yeah, we go yeah. that, I, I think as sidemen go through that constantly, you know, yeah, where people are yeah. like, oh, well, you know, he played a, he played a Broadway show. Well, he's, he can't be good for, you know, for, for the, you, you're constantly trying to, uh, um, demonstrate, you know, and and if you're and you know hopefully you're versatile you can you can but you know people people love to pigeonhole you for whatever it is you're doing oh well he plays you know he played with Hiram so he couldn't play this you know this or orchestra show yeah yeah he did this whatever whatever anyway no it's, it's it's well said yeah it's a funny business it's, it's exactly funny right business. it's, a, it's yeah. a funny business well if you if you had to name it's probably a few i'm guessing but if there was like maybe one gig that was this real sort of turning point from like really launching your career in new york what what would you uh, or or maybe a couple of things yeah, that, that yeah. happened um yeah, this it's a hard one. That's a hard. That's a hard one. I think at a certain point, uh, and I'm not going to try. I'm not going to avoid the question. But I think, <laughs> I, I think that you know, I can't. I can't imagine this for myself. So I'm just going to imagine it for other drummers. There, there are points when you think of a, a, a think of think of whoever you had a uh, Rick Murata on. You know, recently. Yeah. When you think of Rick Murata, aside from you know his sense of humor and you know his uh, his <laughs> Mediterranean charm, yes, yeah, I love Mick, Rick Murata. I love you know. It's, when you think of him, though, you think of what he can do. You think of what he's done. You think of what he can do. That is a cumulative process. When you think of Dave Weckl, you think of all the things that make him him and 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 I I'd, I'd like to th and it's a cumulative process it wasn't necessarily one thing it's like you know you but it was a cumulative process and I, I I think that 
I'd like to think that if uh, if I'm thought of, it's 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 not necessarily he did this or he did that. It's more that I've I represent whatever it is I can do to whoever it is is making the decision about yeah. you know hiring me, and that uh, uh, you know I, I think we all hope that at a certain point our work speaks for us. Our ability speaks for us, and uh, you know, and then you keep going back and you keep sort of reproving it. You know, that, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a great answer. No, that that makes that makes perfect sense. Yeah, I, I yeah. worked with a, an, an amazing producer who was an amazing musician last week on a, a, a movie that will be coming out called Riding Shotgun. Stephen Lang is starring in the movie. Is Lyle Workman? Oh, Lyle Workman. Yeah, heavy. Of course, yeah, yeah, heavy. Never worked with him before. He had no idea what I could do, who I was. We're in the recording studio. It's sort of countryish music. It's a great group of musicians, and uh, you know, what's it going to be? You know, <laughs> now here, I, you know, you you work. So Lyle, uh, I mean. Uh, I, I, I think he's happy. So I think the session went well. And uh, I was thrilled to work with him because I knew who he was. Uh, you know. Sure. Yeah. And then the next thing will happen where somebody's, yeah. you know, well, we got, you know, that you're there for a reason. You, yeah. you got the call for a reason. But now right. you still have to, you know, you still have to do something that's, that's going to put a smile on their face. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Know? Yep. And you, you don't, you don't want to stumble and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to make silly mistakes and, you know, and there, and, and, and those people, you know, whether it's the Paul Schaefer's or, you know, the, 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 the you know, I have a gig coming up with, with Oz. I haven't worked with Oz Noy and I, I mean, maybe I've done one gig with him in my life. You know? yeah. So it would be Paul Schaefer and Will Lee and me and Oz. That, that would oh, be the later end. There's a, yeah. there's a, uh, you know, and I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to it. I have a gig with Near Felder, the, the guitar player. I've never worked with uh, Near before. Don't really know. I mean, I have an idea what to expect. Uh, there's another guitar trio that I'm working with. This uh, Italian, great Italian guitarist, Davide Panozzo, and uh, we have a, we have a trio with organ, uh, and drums and guitar. We're gonna tour Italy. We're going to, you know, doing these dates. Oh man! It's just, so now I'm thinking, you know, I'm not involved with shows. I, I, I do orchestra things, but I'm now I'm thinking only about playing music that I love as much of it as I can, you know, and trying to get better. You just yeah. try and get better. And you, you know, you, and uh, and I'm looking forward. To that. I have a gig uh, in Boston coming up with the Manhattan Transfer. I work with them sometimes. Yeah. Do you, do you know the date of that offhand? You can send me that. Yes, if you know I, that. I know that's going to be on June 11th and 12th. Okay. In Boston Manhattan Transfer. Oz will the gig with Oz and Paul and Will is June 1st. Uh, Tony Kniff, that's a band I work in. That will be May 8th. And Davide, this 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 trio that I told you about, Bitter End, May seventh, also the turning point, and then Italy is in July. 
Oh, there's a bunch of stuff coming up. Yeah, man. And you know, I I have to think, Clint. You know, forty years almost, or or probably about forty years of doing what you've been doing, toiling you, you, in uh, semi obscurity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sorry. No, no, yeah. no. But I, I, you know, you can think that if you want. But I, I think what it is is it's like you've arrived. You know what I mean? You've arrived. You you've gotten to a point where, you know, these are the things that that you really dream about. I would think as a, as a professional musician to, to be able to play the great music that you're playing now to not have to, you know, I mean, yeah, take a, take a gig. To not not have to take a gig just for the money. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's, 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 that's true. Uh, you know, but I, I think the, uh, the gigs that fill my heart make me feel or challenges that were, uh, you know, I, I mentioned in my notes that I did uh, the Spielberg remake of West Side Story. Yes. I played drums on that. I had never played West Side Story before. It's a hard show. It was with the New York Philharmonic, and I had never played with the New York Philharmonic. And to me, you know, and, and I was very happy with the result of that. If you see the movie, it sounds... I mean, just the sound alone, Sean Murphy, yeah. the, the, the engineer, but there were great, great people who worked on that. And that was a challenge to rise to. And I like that. And I hope that there are more of those, yeah. you know, that involved, uh, you know, lots of reading and finesse and, 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 and practicing. You know, and I, I, I mentioned that, I, I didn't mention that live in the air, but I, I made that part of my intro a little B. When, when you listen to the podcast oh. and the YouTube show. Yeah. But I did mention that. And, and just for everybody watching, if you don't know this, the movie won an Oscar. Uh, West Side Story 2021 is an Oscar winning movie. And, you know, I remember when we talked about that a while back. And I, I, I want to touch on our conversation a couple of weeks ago, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up for the day. But um, I listened to, the, to that version of it, and it's just some spectacular playing that, again, it's to me, it, it epitomizes what a great drummer is, uh, you know, somebody that can, that can sit there and s- sit with the band and make everybody feel great. Um, you Thank know, you. collaborative kind of, effort. I yeah, absolutely, it. man. You know what? I, I think you take that for granted. Um, but I, I, I think there needs to be more emphasis on what it takes to be able to like go in and, and nail a session like that, you know? And, um, the, the, uh, I appreciate what you're saying. And I think this is very, very, this is important. And this is not about me. This is just about music itself. It's a collaborative thing. It's, uh, we're having a conversation now. What you say I'm responding to. What I say you're responding to. A lot of what we listen to when we're listening to, to drummers is, uh, it's like there's a staticness of what they're doing, you know, when they're doing play-alongs or when they're just showing you grooves or they're showing you licks, and there's so much of that. And yeah. uh, to to me, and and also, you know, when you see uh, when you see clinics and things like that, and 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 they're important. All these things are important. I'm not saying they're not important, but one thing that does not get enough play that is the most important thing is the communicative. Uh, it, it is the is the, the it, it's a communicative 
art form making music right so what what i play affects you what you play affects me in the moment and and none of that is 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 really explored much unless i'm missing something i don't see that but that that is the most important for me i think the most important part of 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 why people might want to work with me and 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 why people would want to work with any musician is because of how you're making them feel in the moment how you're responding how you're listening uh all of those things uh so that in a recording session or live or whatever the skill set yes the reading yes all of those things but how are you how, how are you working with people in the moment how 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 are you interfacing it's like it's like uh uh and 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 i said this at one point it imagine if 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 you were an actor and uh instead of going to see people act you were only listening to them do monologues yeah and we we as drummers there's a whole lot of monologues going on right (laughs) a whole lot of them but yeah. you know, when somebody's hiring you, they really, really don't give a shit about sixty-fourth notes and tricky little ditties and all that. And this is how I—they don't care. No. It's, it's about how you're making the song feel in the moment. How are you making the band feel in the moment? The other stuff is wonderful. I'm not saying it's not wonderful or not valuable, but it's got to be musical. You have to yeah. use your ears, and it has to fit. And uh, you know. Some guy sent me some track to play and uh, you know, play this track and I'm listening to, you know, there's a reference in it. And, and, I, I, and every time I played a fill, I said, this is wrong. This is wrong. I, every time I hit a tom-tom, I said, it's wrong. And I sent to him, he said, you got no tom fills. I said, I know because it just doesn't sound good. It didn't sound good. <laughs> I, I subtract more than more than that. I subtract, and I anyway. That's my that's my thinking. I, I think Steve Gadd talked about this once too. Over time, he would just listen to himself, and and it became it became it. He did so much recording yeah, that yeah. he was able to hear himself, and he he started to he started to remove and simplify, and then he would give you whatever he would give you, you know. But you just go, oh, wow. But yeah, the but yeah. the but the but the one of the reasons it became so and this is the beautiful thing about him is one of the, you know he can play this you know it's like a painter and then then he gives you something but he's framing yeah, it yeah. with something that that just just works you know you know and I'll just I'll absolutely you're you're hundred percent and I'll add you know I have the 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 uh, the good fortune of seeing our friend Rick Murata. And his brother Jerry play every summer in the vineyard and they have the Murata brothers band. I hope they do it this year. And it's the two of them and a great bunch of local vineyard musicians. And they play a lot of, you know, you know, uh, you know, songs that, that we grew up listening yeah. to. And the, and the thing about it is that's, it's, you know, Rick has become so, um, I mean, he's always been about the groove, obviously, yeah. and Jerry. But to your point about what you said about Steve, Rick's the same way, and that he pairs it you know, down, gives you the it essence, down. right? Yeah, and, he, and he was always them. about that, but you know, wasn't yeah, he? He was exactly. always, always very special that way. With it was like some some part of his DNA, you know. You, you can't learn that. I mean, you can no, try and no. absorb it, 
but just right. how he could make something feel. And, and just incredible. Yeah. yeah. And then when he does play a fill, it's so special. And Jerry too, you know, it's just, it's, it's like, there might be like, there could be a, a verse and a chorus and another verse before there's even anything like a fill. It's yeah. just, there's less, yeah. uh, less focus on drummers like that. And, uh, uh, and there should be more focus on it. And, uh, you know, that, that's, yeah. you know, I'm not suggesting that anything else isn't great. I'm just saying that, you know, like Ferroni. Yeah. Ferroni's yeah. a great example of somebody who would, you know, give you like the, 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 the most sort of authoritative nuts and bolts of what it could, I mean, sounds great and all that, but it was never about the tricks was never yeah. about the you know and and the more you know you give you get this and that and that puts a smile on everybody's face you know yeah absolutely you listening well, but you're still you know anyway i was just going to say before we wrap it up i yep. wanted to just you mentioned steve gad and yep. we had this conversation after my track talk episode with steve on asia and i just oh. thought just to touch on that a minute because you had just not not long before that had done I think a show with a huge Steely Dan tribute band, Royal Scam. Yeah, Royal Scam. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes. I work with them from time to time. I yeah. had not had much experience with uh, any tribute band until I started to do, well, the, the, I, I worked with Fab Foe, and you know about Fab Foe. And there sure. was a season yeah. of concerts, and uh, Rich Pagano was a great, great drummer singer, was was uh, on the mend, and uh I developed, uh, I mean, everybody knew that Fabfo was great. And they had star power in that band also, but they were just great. Yeah. So I developed respect for that. And how would, you know, how do you interface with a band like that? First of all, as a sub, but second of all, you know, are you going to karaoke Ringo? Yeah, yeah. Or are you going to try and find the spirit of of those things and take the, the most essential ingredients. And, and so that was when Steely Dan thing rolled around, it was a similar, uh, similar thing where you try and, and, and get the, the essence of these grooves and maybe, maybe the landmark fills, but, uh, yeah, we talked about Asia and Asia yeah. was, you know, one of those things where, you know, if you play Asia, you, I mean, it, I could not uh, bring myself to, to, to try and play that solo. Uh, well, I think you did a great job though, Clint. And, and to your point, if you remember, you, uh, you, you sort of set it up for me. You sent me the link to it and, uh, and you, you, you made it your own, but you, you put in these little spots, these little sort of homages to Steve, yes. like the sort of greatest hits of the solo. I thought, you know, right. Right. It might've been a, a way he phrased something without necessarily copying you know, or, 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 or motifs of his, of, of rhythms that he played without necessarily yeah, playing yeah. the same things. And, you know, the same, yeah. but you try and get the spirit of it. Cause otherwise you just sound like a guy who's, you know, who's not going to sound as good as you know, not going to, you know, <laughs> no one, I, no, I, I don't know, you know, look at the end of the day, what he did there is just so definitive that it's almost goofy to try and do that said though, you know, you've had uh, you've had uh, uh, Steely Dan play Asia over and over and over, and not once uh, really was was Steve a member of that band. Where he was, you know, so it was Keith Carlock, and you had you know Ricky Lawson, Peter Erskine, 
and yeah. uh, Dennis and, Chambers and yeah. Dennis yeah others and you know and I I talked to Tom Barney about this you know and, uh, you know we were we were talking about Dennis for for whatever reason it took Tom was in the band I think for fourteen years or so and Dennis you know and Dennis wasn't in the band for very long. But, right. you know, he talked right. about how Dennis would do, you know, everybody's going to stick click. Yeah. He, oh, he, oh yeah. did he really? He did during the Asia solo. Oh, God he actually bless. did the stick click as, yeah, as, a, as, a, as, as a an tip homage. Hat to see. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, That's great. But I, I, I want to, you know, you, you made some really good points. I remember we talked about that. And, and I'll just quickly say, Steve, during the track talk episode had mentioned he thought he'd played to a click track. Which was something new that he had never told me before. And I think what had happened is simply this. He had done Rick Beato's show a couple yeah. of days before. Oh. And Rick, yeah, and, and Rick and he were talking about Asia. And Rick had had Chuck Rainey on not long before that. Uh -huh. And Chuck recalled Steve, he recalled them playing to a click. That's yeah. in his mind, he said. Yeah. So, well, so he yeah. mentioned that to yeah, he mentioned that to Steve, yeah. and that put it in Steve's head. So when he did my sure. show, he said, "Yeah, I think I think it was I played it. I came in afterward and played to a click or something." Yeah, yeah. And uh, well, listen, I mean, listen, I I did uh, when we did West Side Story, they had a tempo. They 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 had different clicks. They had an, a chell on the click that that so it got faster at a certain point during cool. There there were various. Yeah. But this is technology now, and my my guess. I mean, when I I, I we we had this discussion because when I had yeah. to play, they're using tracks. When I'm playing with this uh, Steely Dan tribute band, Royal Scam, they use tracks. And uh, what I found was that 99% of the time, and with 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 Rick's uh, thing, I was wrong about this. But the 99% of the time, uh, they 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 they. they there were varying tempos within yeah. one song and so the you know, uh, now these guys want to have these extra keyboard parts these extra vocal parts these extra percussion parts blah, 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 blah. so they have tracks and i'm like this shit is not working because asia is many different tempos yes yes it's many different tempos in the most musical way yeah. There's nothing not musical about it. And and all of the other songs is the same. The guys knew how to play music, but they they were not adhering to uh to one specific tempo top to bottom on almost all of the the the, the things that we've come to know as hits or earlier right. on. It moved around. Moved around. Yeah. Keltner said the same thing about Josie. He said I had him on my show and he said you can't play Josie. You can't play to a click track for Joe's. He said, it's, it's got to breathe. And, and to your point, yeah, Asia is, you know, it, it, especially at the end of the song where Steve's when it, I mean, it's, it's faster, it's, it's more exciting. It gets, and, you know, yeah, and absolutely. then there are points when it's, when it settles back and that's music, you know? Yeah. And, yep. uh, uh, um, I had this conversation with Dean Parks who played on a lot of the stuff and he said, you know, he's, a, you know, one of the deepest musicians yeah. I've ever met. He was like, you know, talked about the history and said, you know, when disco came along, it kind of ruined it for us because we otherwise, you know, choruses would generally move faster, verses would come back. General rule, right? Yeah. And uh, yeah. then with disco, you know, it had to be like so. And I think in a general sense, that's 
you know, when you're talking about pop music or whatever, that's now and has been for, for a long, long time the go to. But, yeah. uh, you know, with Steely, Steely Dan's a perfect example when you listen to these songs because it's never a point where you go, wow, that's not the same tempo as it was, you know, six bars ago yeah. or whatever. And a lot of it's because, you know, they were playing very musically and as, as, as Keltner said, breeze. But then when you have to do it to tracks, now you have to figure out, you got to go back and you got to go, well, shoot, let's try and find the compromise, a tempo that works best top to bottom because no one's making tempo. I mean, it could, but it's a yeah. tremendous amount of work. So, you know. But Asia was one of the, one of the most uh, sort of extreme examples. Again, beautiful, beautiful sounding, totally musical, unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but 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 not certainly not consistent, you know. Yeah, yeah, and and it and it doesn't it need to be. be. No, it, it, it actually be. shouldn't yeah. be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thing. Uh, Clint, this has been amazing. Thank you, John. My friend, this put thank a, you a, so much. Treat. Yeah, no, thank you, buddy. Thank you for being here. What a treat to have you today. It's much appreciated. Yeah. It's great All to right. talk to you, and uh, let's do more of it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely, buddy. Well, everybody, thanks so much for watching. A big hand for Clint DeGannon. Thank you. Thank you. My man. Thank you. And uh, Clint, hang with me for one second. Will we'll, uh, we'll say goodbye in the room, and I'll say goodbye to everybody. Thanks for watching, everybody, and we'll see you soon. All right, that's my show. Thanks for listening. You can watch episodes of Live from My Drum Room live in real time on Facebook Live by following my Facebook page, Live from My Drum Room with John DeChristopher, and also my YouTube channel, Live from My Drum Room with John DeChristopher. And while you're there on YouTube, check out my new show, Track Talk, iconic songs with iconic drum parts and the drummers who created them. It's really cool. Check it out. Shorter episodes, you'll love it. And Track Talk is only available as part of my Live From My Drum Room series on my Live From My Drum Room YouTube channel and podcast platforms. So please subscribe. All Live From My Drum Room and Track Talk podcasts are available on all the major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc. Also want to give a big thanks to my friend Steve Gadd for providing the music for my show. That's really Steve. And remember, no drummers are harmed during any episodes of Live from My Drum Room or Track Talk. So drummers, remember, when in doubt, leave it out, and I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.